Hey, it's Andy. Thank you so much for listening. Strange week in college sports because there's some big, big news stories that would have been huge news stories almost any other time. But obviously, we are in a very, very weird situation. And everything's overshadowed by one huge overarching question. So we're going to talk about the big question and about the big news that is not so big right now, but will be big later. With Matt Fortuna of The Athletic, here's me and Matt. show we've actually got some news edition and we do we actually have some news to talk about in the world of college sports and to do that we bring in matt fortuna from the athletic but matt this is weird because this there's some huge stuff that happened last week in the worlds of college football college basketball really all the college sports but it's almost like it's completely overshadowed by this other giant story that will never go away yeah i couldn't agree more i think if this happened in season we'd be uh itching to get every single coach's uh, reaction during their monday or tuesday press conferences uh we'd have a lot of people speaking about what's right or what's wrong about this and this is something that probably as recently as maybe five years ago probably right before the o'bannon trial in 14 i think um would have been like astronomical like oh my god i can't believe the ncaa did this whereas now it's been kind of a slow steady burn that this just seemed inevitable and Look, obviously there are bigger things going on in the world right now, and that's part of the, the biggest reason that this thing isn't getting as much public pub as it probably should be. Uh, but I think also, uh, we just want freaking games, man. <laughs> and until that happens, nothing else really matters. Like We're just it, bored out of our minds here without live sports. Exactly. So the NCAA said last week that they're going to make some rules for name, image, and likeness rights uh, so athletes can make some money. They, they can basically be paid endorsers for stuff and it'll be okay. And it'll be within the rules. And uh, they're going to try to make rules to keep people from paying you to sign with a certain school. They're going to, you know, try to make it where it's not, you're getting paid because you scored four touchdowns on Saturday. I'm not exactly sure they can do that because it's just going to be really hard to police, but it is like you said, a huge step that doesn't even feel like a very big deal anymore because the only thing we want to know is when are you going to play again? Yeah, and that, that, that's the million-dollar question right now, and I don't know if we're any closer to getting an answer right now than we were eight or so weeks ago when the, the whole shelter-in-place orders really started taking place around the country. I mean, it went from, I think, the first two or three weeks of this thing where, oh, the you know, what if they're not going to be able to make up spring to, oh, what if they're not going to be back on campus in July 1st in time for six weeks to train for, for the season to now, um, or if they're even going to be in-person classes this fall. And if there are, um, is there going to be college football? Because I think the one thing that everyone's been able to, to, to semi-agree on here is you can't have college football without college. And if there's no in-person college, uh, then that really complicates things. I know this week in particular with May 1st is, is usually the, the registration or admissions deadline for a lot of schools. So many schools have come out publicly and said, we intend to be open with in-person classes this fall. And that's great. I intend to do a lot of things this fall as well. Uh, I probably won't do most of them. I, I think we're still in a wait and see mode and, and we have to wait and see. Really, I think the second summer session for a lot of these places is going to be a big determining factor. But but most, most of all, definitely what happens in this fall. Will there be in person classes 
Well, and it's amazing how many college presidents suddenly became very optimistic about being able to have classes in the fall semester as the deadline for deposits approached. It's funny, funny how that changes their tune. <laughs> it, it, I mean, your kids are, are older than mine, my only one, but I mean, I'm thinking to myself, if, if my kid was home right now from freshman or sophomore year and we had to determine whether to go back to, say, a big school like the University of Illinois or something like that that costs a lot of money, I might suggest they take the semester off, which which sounds you know antithetical in most years to to, to learning and, and getting your money's worth out of your education and out of your prime learning years. But I, I'm not sure that you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck learning remotely as you are to go on campus and live in the dorms and and actually interact with forty thousand other people the way you were meant to do when you first signed up to go there. So I understand the hesitations on mommy and daddies across the country right now uh, about whether college is, is really going to be the same and really going to be worth it for them, at least in the imminent future. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I, I'm, I've got a, a fourth grader and a third grader. They are in a private school, so it's not the same as paying for college, but you are paying. So we've been watching their quote-unquote classes since all this happened and you know it's not their teacher's fault they they were not prepared for this they 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 didn't expect this to happen so I don't blame them or their school a bit they're doing the best they can but I'm looking at it like wait a second I'm paying for this but I'm not sure this is what I expected to pay for and I imagine if you are a parent paying for college which is we're talking a lot more money and you're watching your student go through that at home and they're done, you know, in an hour every day. And it's just, you know, kind of whatever I'd be hard pressed to write that check. And so I, I get where they're coming from and I get where the university presidents are coming from, where they need to put out this image of, Hey, we are going to do our best to get going. And please, please write those checks. I have a one-year-old who we got a little Fisher Price hoop for just to keep her occupied during this whole time. And uh, she's learned to dunk on her own. And she's recently started to slap the floor on her own after making said dunks. And I swear I didn't teach her that. But that means she wants to go to Duke, which costs a lot of money, which makes me very scared for for how much I'll have in the bank when that time comes. And hopefully, you know, 17, 18 years from now, (laughs) everything will be back to normal or at least as close to normal as as we could possibly get. Uh, But but Matt, if she's she's slapping the floor and dunking, somebody else is going to pay for her to go to do that's a good point that's a good point and you know what she's an instagram superstar or if daddy helps make her an instagram superstar exactly we could just sell those social media posts i i was talking to a couple of uh, of parents in my neighborhood of a high school kid and he apparently is a tiktok star he he's had a couple (laughs) videos on tiktok that have gone over a million views he's had one that went over 10 million views and people have already started to send him request to, to endorse them and he's not sure what to do yet because he he plays a couple sports he would like to play ball in college and so he, he wants to make sure he's within the rules now he's only a sophomore in high school so these rules that we're talking about in the past are going to be in place by the time he gets to college so he probably can just take them and, and make that money as a as a high school student but it is interesting matt because you know it, the the difference between what people think is going to happen with this NIL stuff and what's actually going to happen, I think is pretty broad. I agree. I mean, I've talked to coaches in big cities over the years who have said, yeah, we're all for anything. I I just don't think in a big market there's going to be, 
you know, Chevrolet ads airing on your local Fox station from, from the star quarterback or the point guard because you just don't see that many coming from, you know, the professional NBA or NHL teams in the area. And I understand that, but I also think when you're an NBA player, an NHL player, an NFL player, and you're already making tens of millions of dollars, um, $5,000 to go endorse a local car dealership doesn't really, you know, do much for you. If you're a broke college kid, it does a lot for you. And I think, especially for those that are close to campuses, and especially in small towns, obviously, college towns, um, I, I think that is a mutually beneficial relationship for all parties. Now, these guys are businessmen. They're, they're not dumb. They're not going to burn all their money away to get someone who might be good someday to come, say, buy a car here and then watch that person transfer a year later. I mean, I, I don't think this is going to be as much of the wild, wild west as so many of the dissenters are, are, are trying to make this out to be. Uh, but I do think there are so many unknowns here. And I do think, you know, kind of like you said in your lead, uh, this sounds great, but like, Dan Say doesn't really have the quote-unquote guardrails in place that they're talking about here, and it's leaving a lot of people to question not necessarily their intentions, because I think we all know their intentions here are, here are we don't want to get sued anymore. It's what's going to happen, and how are they going to screw this up, for lack of a better term. Yeah, and I think the, the problem is I think there's two groups of people at the schools. And, and listen, when we say the NCAA, we're talking about the schools. We're not talking about eight people in Indianapolis who – who just try to, you know, they're not trying to just screw everything up. They, they really aren't. I, I promise. There's some really good people who work at the NCAA. They just want the best. I, I think some of them may be a little bit misguided because they, they actually believe it's bad to get money for being good at sports if you're in college. But they're not doing this with malice aforethought, for, for lack of a better term. They're just trying to keep the old the old rules in place somewhat. And I do think there's an older guard that wants to keep the old rules in place. There's a younger guard of younger athletic directors, uh, younger conference officials who look at it and go, you know what? There's nothing we can do about this. This is, this is going to happen. Let's just let it happen. And I think that what you've got is a little push pull between those groups. And, you know, it's, if, if they want to make it where you can't give a guy $50,000 for an autograph and I'll, I'll steal a line from Jack Swarbrick, the, the AD at Notre Dame, uh, provided that autograph is on a national letter of intent, no, you can't pay 50000 for that autograph. So I, I, I get that. I get that they don't want to do that. But I also appreciate that they get the spirit of this thing. When, when Gene Smith was talking, the, he's the Ohio State Athletic Director, he was talking in that teleconference last week, and he got asked about whether there's going to be a cap, and he says there's no cap. He said if you've, if you've got a, you know, a business on the side, and, and there are people who have businesses on the side, Matt. Uh, do you remember Chad Thomas at Miami, the defensive uh, lineman? Was he a rapper? He Rapper, producer. Producer, he that's right, that's beats. right, that's right. Yeah, he makes great beats. Like, when he was in college, uh, Rick Ross bought beats from him, or, was, well, Rick Ross took beats from him because he couldn't buy them. <laughs> and and But, you know, it was good for Chad Thomas to give him the beat. But, you know, it, so Major Nine is is what he goes by musically and it's funny because i think there's a lot of people don't realize that major nine plays for the cleveland browns but he <laughs> he's the kind of guy that in college under the new system would be because he it wasn't like they were doing this because he's a football player they were doing this because he's really good at it so he would he would do really well uh jeremy bloom you remember that guy right. that he was an olympic skier and also a receiver at Colorado couldn't play for Colorado if he was going to take the endorsements he needed to train for skiing because there's no money in skiing. So you have to take those endorsement deals so you can pay for your equipment and, and all that other stuff. So he couldn't play any more football because 
if he was going to try to go ski in the Olympics, he needed to take the endorsements. He would be fine now. Uh, there, there was a soccer player at Florida State last year named Dania Castellanos. She is on the Venezuela national team. She's huge in Venezuela. She has, uh, I believe, 1.4 million followers on Instagram. So she would be in line for, I'm not making this up, like between $7,500 and $10,000 per po- sponsored post based on her number of followers. That's a lot of money to me and you. I can imagine what it's like to uh, a college student, which, again, I think everyone automatically equates these with like $100 million sneaker deals and think, oh, there's only two people ever like Zion Williamson who could do this. Yeah. No, like we were all broke in college. We will take anything yes. we can get. Um, I, and- I wrote stories like 20 bucks a pop. Right. <laughs> I was happy for every single one of them. Every check that came, I was grateful for. So, And I think these guys will feel the same way. And, and it, you know, maybe they get an autograph signing for 500 bucks here and there, or they get to go uh, host a night at a club for, for 200 bucks. That's that's good. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And nobody has to get rich. And if, you know, that's the thing. Everybody's like, well, they're not going to get rich off of this. And you know, they're going to have to pay taxes. That's fine. Right. You're just proving our point all along (laughs) that there was nothing wrong with this. Well, the club, the club one's interesting because when this first started becoming a public talking point months ago, I had a conversation with the life director who, who was all for it. Um, and I bring up the club thing because he said, I do need some, and he didn't use the word guardrails, but he goes, I need someone that can have these kids' best interests at heart because the last thing I need is a kid to put his face or his name on a flyer for a party and someone gets mugged or shot or stabbed at that party and this guy got paid to sponsor this party and he might not even have been there, but all of a sudden he's legally liable. Those are the things you probably don't think about when you're 18, 19, 20, 21 years old. And I thought of that when you thought of club. Now, uh, by all accounts from what the NCAA said this past week, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be uh, trying to help student athletes determine what is or isn't in their best interest. I think we need to, to figure out from the outside looking in is, you know, do they just not want this to become one big recruiting thing or are they people who actually are looking out to make sure that these kids aren't getting in trouble or putting their names in a bad place? And uh, with so much open-ended at that point, uh, I'm curious to see the fallout in the ensuing years. See, the recruiting thing's interesting to me too, Matt, because the day it happened, I had some dude on Twitter saying, well, what if Tim Cook wants to give all of Auburn's signees $2 million a year to advertise for Apple? I was like, well, I think Apple's board might have a problem with that. But... I just don't that, – that's not realistic. Right. There's a, that is a terrible investment, one, and I just can't imagine anybody would want to do that. It seems like a huge waste of money. It does. Um, I, I do – I mean, I – my biggest question is how will this not affect recruiting though? Because that was one thing that they seem pretty adamant about when announcing this this past week is we don't want this to affect recruiting. And oh, it's th- it's going to – well, it, it's going to affect recruiting in terms of – the money might come from different places. And look, there's money flowing in recruiting already. Let's be honest. Right. Let's, not, let's not beat around the bush here. But the money may come from different places, maybe a little more over the table than under the table. But who's not going to get a player who would have gotten a player before? Like, that's the part I've always argued about where, where the people say with well, the gap between the haves and the have-nots is only going to get bigger. Okay, so who was going to go to Vandy before who's now going to go to Alabama? Because my my look at this is the guy who was always going to go to Alabama was always going to go to Alabama. Alabama's not recruiting the guy who's going to go to Vandy. Right. And Dana O'Neill had a great point in her column where she said, what if Adidas, which pays $160 million to Louisville, 
uses the Cardinals' new hotshot freshman to endorse some generic gear and dreams up this brilliant plan conveniently after the player starts classes, which I think we'll we'll, we'll hear a It'll lot definitely about definitely happen, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm curious to see, and you brought up Vanderbilt, I'm not sure which schools would fit the bill, but I do think there are some schools that are off the beaten path or are your traditional blue bloods that will inevitably benefit from this because I think they probably have some local advantages particularly would you be talking about southern methodist university man <laughs> yeah good point yeah i guess i do know one i mean i think they have some experience in this in this field they do and what's funny is in ari wasserman our ohio state writer tweeted this this week uh about ohio state's tattoo gate which is coming up on 10 years 10 years ago now um i mean i was just thinking thinking to myself how many quote-unquote scandals in college athletics in the last decade alone would not be scandals anymore with this. Oh, Ohio State's oh, one. Matt. Johnny Football G- signing autographs. AJ yeah. Green. If you're bored in the house, bored in the house, bored, why not spend some time on yourself? Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents because Lord knows we don't want any of those. Shaving is about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Subscribe to the Perfect Package and get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. This is the perfect package for your perfect package. So do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. Go back 27 years to, to Florida State and, and Foot Locker, Free Shoes <laughs> University. If you read the Sports Illustrated game story off Florida State winning the national title that year, it makes it sound like those people committed murder <laughs> for getting some shoes. Hey, I was a senior at Penn State when uh, Tattoo Gate happened to Ohio State. And believe me, I had a lot of friends in school who, who had similar thoughts about Ohio State and Trell Pryor for selling the golden pants or whatever but it was. I wrote, the column I wrote for SI when that happened was those five guys, Terrell Pryor, Devere Posey, I'm blanking on the other three, uh, go pro now. Just yeah. stop this. No, I remember this that. stupid. Because, <laughs> because the, when that happened, it, it sort of exposed the hypocrisy of all of it because it was like, yeah, we think this is wrong, but not so wrong that they're going to miss the Sugar Bowl because we, we need them to play in the Sugar Bowl because the Big Ten needs a W in a BCS game. So... <laughs> It's not that wrong, but it's wrong starting next year. Bobby Petrino went back and forth on that one after they lost that game for like a year, it seemed like. He's like, oh, they should have been playing. We should have won. Oh, you know. They, yeah, he was just going. You know, that, that was, I wouldn't say the beginning of the end of the Bobby Petrino regime at Arkansas, but one of many inconsistencies that ended up. Well, he took with- a long motorcycle ride to clear his head and think about <laughs> what happened and we all the rest is history. There. So but another thing that happened this week, Matt, that, that was interesting because it, it's something that, again, had this happened in a normal week, we'd have been like, oh, my God, what's going on? So the saga of the transfer rules has been ongoing. And 
we didn't know exactly how they were going to change them. And then uh, it looked like if you read the tea leaves, it was going to change to everybody gets one waiver where you can transfer once, play right away, and that's it, regardless of whether you're an undergrad or graduate. And the thought originally was, okay, they're going to pass that. It's going to take effect in the 2021-2022 school year, so they have some time to get ready for it. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks ago, it was, no, it's going to pass and be effective immediately. And you're like, oh, that's okay. And then this week, the Board of, of Governors says, eh, we know they're going to vote on it, but we don't think it's the right time to, to make it effective immediately. Yeah, I almost forgot about that because of everything else going on, both in college sports and in the world. And uh, one more just inconsistency, if you will, I think, when, when you talk about the NCAA. And the the other part of this that we haven't talked about, I know this is mostly a, a college football podcast, though, is what will all of this do for college basketball, which is now seeing the biggest recruits in high school not go to the NBA mm-hmm. because they're not eligible yet, but go into the G League and taking deals elsewhere to make money and not play college basketball. I wonder if the new NIL rules would maybe encourage these guys to come back to school or end up going to school for one year if they... Oh, uh, I, I think it ahead. definitely has to do with that. I think that's a piece of it. It's interesting how all these things are so interconnected. And and for me, who I've always made this argument from a from the basis of you need to open the markets. You should not be artificially restricting markets. And all of this with the basketball is a, is a product of markets being restricted and things sort of slipping elsewhere. So the NBA and the NBA Players Association can't come to an agreement on what to do about the age limit. So the, the plan was they were going to get rid of the age limit and there would be no more one and dones, but they can't get that straight. So they've had to come up with something different because now you're seeing guys go to Australia where they can make pretty good money, play against better than college competition and then come back over for a year or after a year. And so the NBA wanted to keep those guys in America. They don't want those guys heading over to Australia. So their thought is, all right, let's just give them half a million bucks or 250 grand and we'll, we'll just have them practice for a year and then go in the draft. It's sort of a stopgap measure. But you're right. Then the NCAA looks at this and goes, okay, then we're going to lose the best players. I, I honestly, Matt, for basketball, don't think the NCAA needs to worry about that. I think they need to let those guys go because, you know, there, there's going to be a Darius Miles in there. They're going to be guys that, that just completely bust. And you don't need those guys trying to come to college and park themselves for nine months and they don't care. And, and that, like, why did James Wiseman have to show up at Memphis? None of that needed right. to happen. So, well, I don't there's have another a one by like Penny, Hard- Penny Hardaway's a booster. Um, I mean, right? He would have been eligible, right, with the new uh, with the new rules. Well, well, I don't know about that because he was helping them move. Well, they <laughs> but he was helping them move what, for their high school program. What's too much or what's too little? <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's such a strange situation. But I, I think you're right. And then the, with the transfer rule, I know the football coaches were upset about it because you know they. they they're upset about any change, anything that takes away some control from them. They don't like, but I do think this is going to eventually happen. I just, I thought doing it right now seemed a little weird given everything that was going on in the world. Yeah. The timing caught me a little bit off guard, but I also think this is one that's inevitable. I mean, I understand the reservations with this one much more than I would understand the reservations with NIL or, or many other NCAA issues that just don't seem to make much sense to the common man. But with this one, I, I can understand why people are hesitant. That said, 
the NCAA just boxed itself in so much here with the inconsistencies and, and the, the shroud of secrecy that surrounds uh, who gets a waiver and who doesn't get a waiver. Um, we saw it last well, year with let, Justin Fields, Tate Martell. Sorry, go ahead. Let, let me ask you this, though, because I thought if they were going to do a blanket policy, it would just be that every undergraduate sits for a year and every graduate plays immediately. Like that, that would make sense. And I actually think most people would be okay with that. Even people like me who are, you know, I'm Mr. Athlete's rights, but I'd probably be okay with that. Especially if you, you gave them the option of having another year of eligibility on the back end, which is something they talked about. Like just to take the mystery out of the, the waiver process. I was surprised that they jumped straight to, okay, just play right away. And that the Big Ten was the league leading the charge on that. That was surprising. I mean, historically, that has not been a conference that uh, they've been part of the old guard, so to speak. I know that's changing a little bit now that Jim Delaney is out and Kevin Warren is in. Uh, but but for that to really go unnoticed, I think, until January or February when that came out and this were, these were discussions that they were having in the past fall was, was pretty surprising. But I, I just think at this point, you got to give everyone at least one time. If that means that coaches got to re recruit, uh, that they got to worry about pissing off too many players and yelling at them too much because they're going to leave, I think at the end of the day, as not ideal as that might be for coaches, I don't think you're going to have the general public shed in too many tears for guys making four or five million dollars a year to work a little bit harder, at least in the minds of the general public, especially as it relates to players who are not getting paid. Um, I, I just think. So much of college football has been swung by by these, I don't want to call them inconsistent rulings because we don't know and we probably never truly will know what led to some of these decisions. But can you imagine Ohio State last year if Justin Fields wasn't ruled initially eligible? I mean, Ohio State's Ooh. probably not <laughs> going to the college football playoff. Maybe they are. I don't know. The Chris Chuganoff era begins. Yeah. It would have been something. It, 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 it's... I just think you've reached a point in overturn where this, where okay, you got to just you know break the dam, so to speak, and let everyone get this one-time exception. And if it comes to a second time, I I don't know. Will this encourage kids to I don't know tough it out a little bit more, knowing that they only have one chance to make this out? I, I don't know. I mean, I think as with all these things, the law of unintended consequences is the biggest blind spot of all, and that'll be the biggest one, especially when you're dealing with college-age kids, but I, I just don't see how they can, can, can continue to go down this road of some guys get a waiver, some don't. You're just going to have to trust us on the reason why, and that's it. Well, the smarter coaches are going to realize this is a way to erase recruiting mistakes. Yes. You know, you can do what Nick Saban was doing back when he was over-signing and process these guys and be like, hey, look, you got a Louisiana Lafayette play right now. Like, why are you sticking around here on the bench? Go play. And there you've got a roster spot open up now I, I do know one of the concerns of the coaches is is and we're going to go really deep into the ncaa weeds here but you get 25 new players a year whether you sign them out of high school get them as grad transfers get them as undergrad transfers juco transfers you get 25 new players a year and you can only have 85 players on scholarship at a time and the problem is if you if you lose too many players sometimes 25 doesn't get you back to 85 and that's the part that I think that some coaches are concerned about is that they're going to get stuck and not be able to play with a full roster. And there's other coaches that are legitimately concerned for the athletes because they're going to go into the portal, realize there's no market for them, and then not be able to get back on their own team, which, Matt, here I will once again go against my Mr. Athlete's rights reputation. My thing on the portal is if you put your name in, don't be shocked if there's not a place on the team for you afterward. 
Yeah. Like you wouldn't go home to your wife and be like, listen, I'm going to go out on some dates tonight, but it's cool if I sleep in the bed, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Dabo Swinney has used that analogy <laughs> with his wife to say why he's, I wouldn't say not a fan of transfer portal, but why the guys who put their names in probably. Kathleen would spots. not put up with that mess. Correct. I don't think many would. And I, I think that kind of goes hand in hand with the free market that we're talking about, right? Like if you're going to bet on yourself, if you're going to say that I have better options elsewhere, well, you better have those options because in the real world, <laughs> yeah, if I quit the athletic tomorrow and I can't find a job elsewhere, my job at the athletic probably isn't waiting for me a week later when I come back pleading and begging for my job. Back, Wait, so. I, I can't just tell them to, to go to hell and I'm going to the Food Network <laughs> and then when the Food Network doesn't hire me, they're not going to hire me right back? What? Good question. This is, it's a very good question. This was my business plan for the next six months. What are you doing? <laughs> um, yeah, so I just, I, we've already seen what you've been talking about in terms of the number of people entering the portal is too great for the number of available spots there are. And I know we've seen Jeff Long at Kansas, and I think a few others say, for new coaches, can we get, you know, 35, or not 35, what was it? Maybe so, six. So it, it, I, let, me, let me try to figure, the math is is. There was a specific right. It really but is, can, but there was a specific sign, number they wanted over two 50 years. In two, you can sign as many as fifty in two years, which is right. twenty-five and twenty-five. Right. But you can sign up to thirty in a single year, so you could go thirty twenty if you wanted. to. Right. Where in a case like Kansas, where your roster has been decimated, you weren't winning, you had a couple coaching changes. I, I understand it. You're in a really deep hole that you need to dig out of, and it's not going to be done overnight. That said, if you do that for everyone, or, or at least even for new coaches. I mean, you don't think Florida State or, or some other blue blood that has a new coach is going to take advantage of that? I mean, that is a very slippery slope that I think uh, the NCAA and most of FBS wants to avoid. I think you're right. I think they're going to pass this thing, and it's not going to take effect immediately. They'll give they'll give them a buffer to to figure things out and and wait till you know it happens. And hopefully, the world will be kind of back to normal when it takes effect. Same with the NIL. I mean, we know the NIL. That situation is based on when the Florida state law takes effect because it's the first of those state laws that would take effect, and it would take effect July 1st, 2021. So I would imagine we'll see both these sets of rules in place for the next school year, not for the one coming up, but for the one after that. And it could be a very different college football, college basketball landscape by then, Matt. But I do wonder, with everything that's happened, Will we look at it as the major change that it is, or will having the world go through such a weird kind of all-encompassing thing change our perspective on all that? I think we're going to forget a lot about this whenever games do resume. I mean, now, that's assuming that college football does not take place as currently scheduled at the end of August, early September, which I'm as optimistic as anyone about anything. I just have a hard time realistically seeing that happen. If the sport gets pushed to the spring or canceled altogether or whatever it is, I think whenever college sports, particularly men's basketball and football as we know it, return, um, we're just going to be so psyched out of our minds to have games back that we're going to forget about whether it's new on-the-field rule changes, off-the-field rule changes, NIL stuff. Um, I, I just think, especially if football comes back in the spring, I mean – you think Trevor Lawrence or any of these guys are actually going to play, knowing that they're going to get drafted yeah. in a few months? I mean, I, I, I don't not any of the obvious first Trevor rounds. Lawrence, but yeah, I, I, I yeah. doubt. I mean, I don't see what how they would be benefit from doing it. Now, the NFL would probably meet them halfway, maybe, and move the combine and the draft back a little bit. But we also don't know if the NFL season is going to go on as currently scheduled. So, um, I, I think a lot of this is going to be initially forgotten because there are so many bigger things going on right now, and we still are 
looking at the big question of will there be games and if so when will they be played uh and i think once that gets settled then we'll be able to read the tea leaves and uh look at the fine print and and figure out everything else that has happened during this time as really since a matters well matt fortuna it, it has been a pleasure one thing to remember when the games do resume if a guy gets ejected for targeting he can now stay on the bench I would never forget that. I was very, I was very happy that they turned that over. The guy looked Such like a good rule. They're not going to be run off like a criminal. Seriously, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, it, it was just such a. I don't know. I, I wouldn't call it inhumane, but it was such like a denigrating uh, was, look for. It was awful, especially when the guy you knew the guy wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Right. You knew it was an honest mistake, and they're and they're escorting them off the field. See, there, there's a, there's probably a vice president of common sense working the NCAA now. I don't know that they had one for a while, but I think they got one right now. And when the games do resume, it will be a different world. Matt Fortuna, thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. That's it for the show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Wednesday. And remember, if you're not already subscribing to The Athletic, now's a great time. All these questions we're talking about, the new rules, when are they going to play? We are trying our darndest to get to the bottom of all of it at The Athletic, and we're trying to talk to all the commissioners, all the athletic directors, stay completely on top of the news, keep you as informed as humanly possible. Get 40% off your first year subscription at theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. That's theathletic.com slash A-N-D-Y-S-T-A-P-L-E-S. Please give us a subscription and subscribe to this podcast, which costs you nothing rate review and we'll talk to you on Wednesday.